0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined as always by David Lake. Um, We're coming to – or actually, we're taping on a rare Saturday. Just got real uh, bogged down by spring practices, and David's about to go on a cruise and probably catch coronavirus. But yeah. Uh so we're taping today. This is after the first week of spring practices. We got a lot to talk about. Uh Derek King, Michael Irvin, uh Jalen Phillips, uh, Jason Blissett. Also gonna talk a little recruiting at the end of the show. Um so let's just kind of get right into it. Uh David, I know I don't know why this has turned into something, but it like the cool media stance is to to say that spring practices don't really mean anything. Like that is uh for some reason, a lot of people are taking that stance, but I got to say, it seems like there's some some hype building for the uh, Eric King. I know you wrote about it on our site on Friday. Uh, yeah. I got some things I want to talk about. Just why don't you tell our listeners kind of what what you heard about Friday's practice session?
1: Yeah. So I didn't hear anything like super duper detaily, but I did hear from someone who who watched them practice and this is someone who who had been at pract who's been at practices for i mean honestly like a decade so he's familiar in terms of like what the measuring stick is with how these offenses look in the spring and how Miami's offenses have looked in the spring in in recent years and so the first the first thing that was conveyed was you know basically this year's offense looked legit and the main reason why was Derek King. Uh, this person said Derek King uh, really had a nice day on Friday, which was the first day in pads. So they were going live. They real they were playing some real football out there. the The term that was used to me was was that the offense was gashing the defense. So, you know, I think that implies that they were having a a balanced attack. So they had success running the ball as well as with DeArick King throwing the ball. I, I asked this person, you know, okay, in your opinion, does this offense uh, make things easier or help for the offensive line? And this person was, you know, just said, oh, yes, definitely. Uh, DeArick is getting the ball out quick. You know, one, two step, ball's out. And, um, the, the same notion was kind of said about the receivers too, that they look much more comfortable in this offense. Just overall, it, it sounded like a really encouraging day with the offense. Um, uh, you know, look, I think it's a very good sign because typically the off, you know, offense is a rhythm side of the ball. So it can take a t- It can take a while to build that rhythm And that cohesion and the fact that Miami was able to flash some really strong moments on Friday, in my opinion, is a good sign. I am not going to take the stance of, oh, wow, what does this mean for the defense? I think the defense is just fine. I think the defense is going to be good. We will get into that later in this podcast. But, you know, the main takeaway for me uh, from week one is that I do think Miami has a legit quarterback, a legit college quarterback, in De'Eric King.
0: I agree. Um, just kind of based on what I heard, and I don't know if I said this in our our podcast we did after the first practice on Monday. Um, I know I, I said it to you. I, I thought De'Eric King made two or three throws that I had never seen a, a Miami quarterback make on the on the Green Tree practice fields. And uh, yeah, sure, it, it's they're not in full pads. Um, It's not a game week, but you can just tell he puts a ton of touch on the ball. And then I I was trading some texts with someone after Friday's practice, and and they simply said, uh, "That dude is the truth." Like he made uh, some unbelievable deep ball throws that um, you know most quarterbacks in the country would not be able to make. So you know, just to hear that from from someone in Coral Gables that has been around the program in the past couple of years, and uh, it, it's got to be encouraging. Like, I'm not trying to start yes. this huge hype train for uh, Derek King, but I will say this time last year, we were not hearing the same things kind of about Tate Martell, uh, if right. that makes sense. Like, it was more like, uh, you know, this guy can't throw. This is, a, it seems to be the complete opposite. They're very excited, um, you know. And, and it's not just coming from one person. Like, you heard it from people you talk to. Yeah. I hear it from people I talk to. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, when, when when I was out there at practice, like you can just tell he he, and that's just him throwing. I mean, we haven't even seen him run, you know. Right. So, uh, it,
1: it it should be very encouraging. And, and also to your point, we weren't hearing these kinds of things about you know last year with Jaron or Nakosi, and that extends to not just with spring football, but honestly the fall camp scrimmages. Uh, you know the feedback. Right, I was getting from those fall camp scrimmages was that, eh, I mean, Jaron and Nikosi are probably the two best, but is it like obvious or, or are they out there balling out? It wasn't that kind of vibe. The vibe that we got from, and again, it's one practice. You got to stack these practices on top of each other. But the, the vibe we got from Friday's full pad practice is that Derek King looks like he can be a legit playmaker at quarterback.
0: And I will add, I wrote this, you know, we did the live practice threads, and I think I posted it in there on, maybe it was after Thursday's practice session. After practice, Derek King is running, like, full 80-yard sprints by himself. And right. is he doing that for a show? Like, I don't think no. so. Like, And to me, that just... I don't know. That, There's that no says doubt something
1: who's the man on offense. Like, yeah, yeah, Derek is taking on that role. They they needed a guy to do that. Um, you know, last year when Jaron's doing the things Jaron did, the team fell apart. Like, it's it's honestly it's not a coincidence. You need a quarterback to be some kind of leader, either a vocal leader, or a leader by example with his work ethic or ideally both of those traits. And I think Derek has both of those traits. He's easing into that role in terms of vocally, but the impression I get after this first week of spring practice is, okay, the team understands this dude's legit, and they're ready to rally around him. Um, Do you want to go into uh,
0: who we've seen uh, as the backup quarterbacks? Uh, Because I I also heard that Nikosi Perry had a pretty good day on Friday as well yeah. which leads me to believe that this offense is I don't know not quarterback friendly but um, sure it, it, it seems I like it's it here. is yeah well I, I did not even have this on the rundown but this is a quote that we need to talk about uh, it came from Will Mallory I don't know out of I don't know I, out of, out of the context it was asked and I'm paraphrasing here but didn't he basically say that you can learn this entire
1: playbook in 15 yeah. minutes he said he could learn the playbook in 15 minutes and you know the point he's making is that is a good thing. And I agree, honestly, especially like at the college level where you're limited with your time that you can work with coaches. And, you know, these guys are going to class. Like they're not pro athletes where they have all day to learn a playbook. So this, this offense is simplified. And and I think honestly, that extends not just to quarterbacks. We'll get into this later, but I think it makes it things easier on running backs, wide receivers and the offensive line. So I think it's exciting. And yeah, I agree, honestly, like from what we've seen, from what we can watch it. And on Tuesday, we watched the whole practice. It was an open practice. My eyes tell me Nikosi is definitely still the top backup quarterback. Um, you know, and honestly, where I stand right now, and there is a long ways to go. We will see how this all plays out. But where I stand right now is if Nikosi Stays with the team through the summer, through the season, um, and you know, Derek King, of course, graduates. I will expect a competition between Nikosi Perry and Tyler Van Dyke. And again, it's early, but I would expect Nikosi Perry to kind of be the starting quarterback in 2021. Now, we'll see if Miami makes a play at a grad transfer quarterback after next season or if they sign some stud true freshman quarterback, there's a lot of variables here going on. But in terms of guys that are on the team right now, personally, I would expect Nikosi to be the starter in 2021. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that makes Tyler Van Dyke have to work one more year as a backup and get seasoning before he's ready to take on that role. And, you know, I think that is kind of, The timeline any coach would prefer at the quarterback position, you know, Mark Richt and Manny Diaz have both kind of bemoaned uh, how it's tough running an offense when you have such a young quarterback room. I think it would be good, you know, again, assuming Miami does not go out and land a graduate transfer quarterback after Derek King's time is done. I think. Ideally, the healthiest thing for this program is Nicosi keeps improving in this offense. Maybe the offense unlocks some of Nicosi's potential as well. And he sticks around and is the starting quarterback in 2021 as a a redshirt senior. And then, you know, the reins kind of get handed off to Tyler Van Dyke. And he would be a starter as a third year redshirt sophomore, I guess, in, in 2022. And You know, I'm looking way, way far ahead, but I think this offense can be a good thing for Nikosi as well. And also, too, I mean, I understand the fan base gets frustrated by Nikosi and, you know, some people just downright don't like him. But honestly, if you look at him as a high quality backup for this year's team, which I think he is, that's a valuable piece, man, to have a quarterback like Nikosi. That has started games yeah. that has shown he can win games. That's a it, big it, deal in my mind. Yeah, I know it is. And and you know, he
0: won games over ranked teams and he's put back you know, comebacks together. He almost had the comeback against Virginia Tech. That's that's a very good point. I mean, I am not I'm not trying to say that was a pretty hot take of yours to already kind of dub Perry the front runner for twenty twenty one. But I, I agree. I mean when you're this is you know, a pro roster management podcast when you, when you kind of think big picture, uh, yeah. I, I would have to agree, but we, you should point out that we've seen Tyler Van Dyke get, uh, worked in with, sure. with the twos. And, and I, to be honest, I haven't really noticed Tate Martell.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's been kind of what we've seen at my, since Tate has been at Miami. Um, you know, and honestly, like, I'm not speaking down on Tyler Van Dyke. This was his first week of, uh, practice at the college level. He's getting his footing underneath him still. Um but, you know, and look, there is more to the quarterback position than just pure arm talent. But Nikosi, like honestly, he has the best arm talent still on the whole team, and that's including Derek King, in my opinion. Now Derrick King uh plays with much better anticipation, much better instincts, a much better feel as a passer that Nikosi does, but in terms of just like the ability to rip a ball and make every throw on the field, Nikosi is the best guy that they have on the roster still, in my mind.
0: Michael Irvin announced on, what was that, Wednesday or Thursday, that he is leaving Miami. He will seek, uh, or I should say he will try to use his fifth year of eligibility somewhere else, um, leaves Coral Gables played in like 31 career games, uh, 11 catches for 111 yards. He was going to be the number three tight end, uh, behind Will Mallory and, and Brevin Jordan. I, I don't think this is a big deal, David. No, you no. Know, yeah. It sucks that you're losing a, a veteran player and you never want to take away a scholarship player. Uh, I, I think you need to get as many of them on the roster, but, um, to me, this is just kind of whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you understand why Michael Irvin would want to explore his options. Like he is good enough to play somewhere, uh, you know. Just unfortunately for him, Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory offer much more upside athletically than he does. Um, and, and two, you know, he is a a legacy. He, you know, his name does carry weight. So I think it's it gets blown up bigger than it really is for that reason too. But certainly wish uh, Michael Irvin all the best on wherever he lands. And, and honestly, I think if he gets in the right the right system, the, the right team, I think he can be fairly productive uh, wherever he lands. So I'll be rooting for him.
0: Speaking of pass catchers, we've got or we've had a chance to get kind of like an extensive look at the wide receivers over the first four practices. Um, someone asked on our message board to to kind of rank them through the first couple of sessions. And I did that. I think I had, uh, who did I, Mike Harley, number one, Jeremiah Payton, number two, uh, D Wiggins, number three, Mark Pope, probably four. And, and then Keyshawn Smith, five. And then the, the other two freshmen behind him, would you agree with, with, with my ranking? Cause yeah. I know you, we, we were talking about it uh, via text the other day, like, we're all in on on Mike Harley.
1: Well, Harley looks really good this spring. And I think it's another case of this offense is best suited for his skill set. And, you know, look, Mike has always been super sharp uh, in terms of knowing assignments and executing what is asked of him. And that's definitely been the case from what we've seen this spring. Um, You know, he's just out there. He He's playing super fast out there, if that makes sense. Like he's all his reps are are very crisp and clean. And from what we saw, you know, during Tuesday's open practice that we got to watch, uh, Derek and Mike seem to have a nice little connection. I think Derek uh, you know, seeks out the slot receiver in this offense a lot. And, you know, Mike certainly is smart enough to understand how to read coverages and if he has to break off a crossing route and sit in his zone, he can do that and DeEric will hit him so there was a nice little early connection already between DeEric and mike uh, jeremiah payton to me looks like a stud number one receiver is that going to happen this year or next year i think is the only question in my mind He's definitely going to play a lot this year and be one of their top guys, but is he going to establish himself as a you know clear-cut, go-to wide receiver on the outside? He has that skill set. It's just a matter of going out there and producing it. And, you know, D. Wiggins, again, during that Tuesday open practice, we saw what he does best: Deep speed. He bombed Christian Williams,, um, you know very early in the practice it was it was a beautiful throw by derek king and kind of easy run and catch touchdown for d wiggins mark pope uh, you know he's uh, i'll say this <laughs> so i am obviously the mark pope truther right you are he, he is still out here dropping balls when he shouldn't be dropping balls and but he definitely still flashes big playability. And also, another thing I heard on Friday was that Mark Pope looked pretty good in the Friday uh, practice in full pads. So, you know, I honestly just think that, unfortunately, the Mark Pope experience is just going to be a bit of a roller coaster ride. Um, But I I do think he can still be productive in this offense. And quickly, I'll touch on the freshman You know, honestly, they're probably better than I expected going into spring. I've kind of been more impressed than I expected. Uh, Keyshawn Smith. He's a good take, man. Yeah, very fast. Uh, Deep speed. Very impressive. He's still, like, to me, still kind of feeling things out. But when he flashes, you notice. Daz Warsham, to me, like, yes, he's skinny. But man, he's very smooth. He's a guy that I think is going to be able to to create separation with his route running uh, pretty easily. He's got to gain weight, got to gain some strength, but I can see it now. I I think he can be a guy who produces in this offense. And, you know, Xavier Restrepo Restrepo is what we expected him to be. He's a guy that we've seen uh, stay after practice, grinding, you know, doing extra work. Uh, he's going to be a guy who plays only in the slot and, you know, like Mike Harley, he's going to be able to read coverages and, and make decisions on where he should go based on those coverages. So I'm kind of, and Mike Redding, he's, he's limited with his wrist injury, but he's a big physical receiver that runs well. We can see a move out there and, and it, it looks good. So you know, I, I think this wide receiver group, like, is it elite, elite, elite that they signed? No, but I think it's very good group, and I can see them being productive players down the road.
0: Last thing on offense I want to ask you, we are four practices in. Um, I think this time, last week, we would have said... Probably need to add another wide receiver, uh, maybe if possible via the the transfer portal. Are you still under that belief, or do you think they need to take an offensive lineman? Because I'm, I'm starting to think maybe uh, an offensive lineman would be more valuable. And I think you actually wrote this in yeah your
1: uh I think s- a story. If it is an either or scenario, I think you got to go offensive line. I think the caveat to that though is. How many quality offensive linemen are really going to hit the portal? And to that point, how like is Miami going to be able to land that quality offensive lineman? Because you know, I think as we've alluded to in the past, pretty much every team in the in America would love to add a quality offensive lineman to their starting unit. Um, yeah. So I think if basically what I'm saying is I think there will be qual- much more quality wide receivers to add than quality offensive linemen. And so I if I'm Miami, I don't reach for an offensive lineman. And so if the scenario is, okay, you can reach for this offensive lineman or you can get this surefire starter, you know, senior wide receiver for one year, I would go the wide receiver then. But if they're both surefire starters, I would go offensive linemen. If well, that makes sense. Maybe,
0: well, maybe you uh, let Derek King carve up the defense and, and the spring game and get that hype train going and, and that opens the door for some, some grad transfers you, you probably didn't think.
1: I'll say this. I, I, feel, I feel better about the receivers than I did before spring. Like, Am I totally believing in them yet at this point? No, I want to see more. But I, I do feel better than than where things stood uh, you know, at the end of the Independence Bowl going into this year. I feel better about how this offense and how De'Aaron King can kind of unlock the potential of the group they have on the roster right now. All right, coming up on the other
0: side, we are going to talk Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, we're back from that short break. Hopefully we've uh, fixed all issues with the advertisements that we don't choose. So <laughs> <laughs> I got I got some text messages about that from people wanting to know full, the full story. Um, David, we you wrote about this um I I think we kind of actually talked about it on the last on yeah. the, in the quick reaction podcast Jalen Phillips man looks like a freak uh Blake Baker the defensive coordinator said he's put on forty pounds I think he arrived at Miami at two twenty five he's hovering around now near two sixty five I mean again, I know this is just drills uh spring doesn't matter um but dude <laughs> like to me it's like. When I watch practice and, and, and the tackling circuit and all that, it's like Miami basically has added a, another Greg Russo to the roster. Now, I'm not saying he's gonna he's that productive. We still don't know. But he's almost as tall as Russo. Um, actually probably runs better than him. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know, man. It's easy to see why he was the number one ranked recruit
1: uh, in the class of 2017. This is saying something because – you know, Miami's edge-rushing group is a very athletic group. You know, Jalen Phillips, in my mind, is the best athlete of the group. And I honestly think it's not that close. Um, I, people, I w- you could see why he, like, was recruited to play 3-4 linebacker in the SEC. Does yes, that make sense? He can really run. And, and, you know, Manny Diaz said that after spring practice, number one, Uh, Blake Baker, when he spoke to the media, I think, after the third spring practice, you know, he said, look, he's definitely showing his his physical traits. And Blake Baker said, too, you know, he's showing already the ability to bend around the edge, which he admitted that he was kind of surprised about because that can usually take some time before that movement kind of clicks in. Because let's remember... You know, as you alluded to, Jalen was kind of more of a stand-up edge rusher at UCLA. Whereas at Miami, he's going to be just, you know, your traditional hand-in-the-dirt 4-3 defensive end. So, and look, when we watched, again, alluding to Tuesday's practice, he was ripping up the offensive line, the reps I was watching. um, Yeah, yeah, we saw, like, one-on-ones. Who was he going against again? I want to say it was Campbell, Uh, right? I, well could have been. I remember seeing Zion and he destroyed Zion. Um <laughs> what's new? Like I think I could swim past Zion, but and then during 11 on 11's pass it, at the end of uh at the end of the practice, he was uh having an he was going up against the second team offensive line, but he was easily getting by um Zalante Hillary. So You know, look, bottom line, yeah, he's going up against the second team offensive line right now, but he's out there easily making plays, and you can see how it's going to translate against a first-team type offensive line. Um, You know, also going through drills, he just moves different, man. Like, he's, he's, he's legitimately just an impressive jumbo athlete with his speed, ability to stay low through drills, he just offers something on another level athletically. And, and I think, you know, pound for pound, he's in the discussion of being the best athlete on the team. Now, he needs to, you know, continue to stack these performances on top of each other, show he can also make plays when the pads come on, all that kind of stuff. But the early returns, in my mind, are extremely good with Jalen because you know Miami kind of took a gamble by adding him to their roster well, no last I mean year. they they
0: they did And like you know I, I was talking with people on staff uh, uh like last month I'm like well we, and they basically said well we don't really know what we have in Jalen and it seems like just based on what what Manny brought up on Monday and Blake Baker's body language on uh Thursday or whatever day that like they are surprised yeah. and, and happy because they, like you said, rolled the dice. I mean, Jalen was pretty much out of football. Um, right. He retired and, you know, for like a day, yeah. you know. He, he hasn't he hasn't done anything yet, but it's just like with Eric King. There's absolutely reason to be optimistic with him, in my opinion. Like, we're not saying he's going to go out here and lead the ACC in sacks. But, dude, I mean, if he
1: is what he looks like he could be, watch out. And, right, and if Jalen is that guy and, you know, Greg Rousseau – has established himself as being that guy and so is Quincy Roche. I mean, show me a better edge rushing trio in the country than that and that's what when that and quarterback play wins games. So, this is why this spring, you know, it's only been one week, but I don't know, man. Uh, things are things are looking encouraging this season, so we'll see. Um, no one has I don't think anyone's
0: written about this and I'm planning to write about it. Uh, at some point down the line, but I want to talk about this, this package I saw on Tuesday. And again, I know spring practice means nothing, you know, can't learn anything out there. Uh, but when they went to 11 on 11 team, they, this was the, this was the package they had on the field. It was, uh, Jalen Phillips at at one of the ends, Greg Russo at the other, Jalar Holly, the, the red shirt freshman, um, defensive tackle. He was in there in, in the middle. And then they somehow had Gilbert Frierson, Amari Carter, Gervin Hall, and Keontra Smith on the field. So they pretty much had every healthy safety on the field. Um, And first play, first snap, Tate Martell throws a pick right to uh, Keontra Smith. And it it was a product of of really the pass rush. And I've been asking around, trying to figure out what exactly that look was. And and from what I've heard, this is a, a new package that Miami has. And, you know, last year, if you put on Greg Russo's highlight tape, um, a lot of his sacks came in the third down situation and in kind of a dime package where they would put him o- over the center and he, he would kind of run free. And it, it's to my understanding that that look I saw on Tuesday uh, might be that that package this year. So I think that is a lethal combination. Um, the coaches seem to be pretty high on, on Jalar Hawley. Um, and we'll kind of get into that in that in a second with them moving Jason Blissett to the defensive end. But dude, like, you mentioned it. You're going to have Greg Russo, Jalen Phillips, and Quincy Roche. And then you're not even talking about Jafari Harvey. You're going to have to find a way to get these guys on the field. And I think they're already kind of trying to map that out and figure that out this spring.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I like to, like, on the back end, I mean, look, college football is turning more and more into, or football in general, not just college, but it's turning more and more into a hybrid, positionless type of it game. Is. And so you're putting strikers and safeties on the field together and, and the spring is, is the time to test these looks out. Um, you know, I think I, I don't, don't remember spring doesn't spring doesn't mean anything. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I like the creativity um, and they have a lot of versatile players on their roster that they should get creative with. So I, I, I think that was a cool thing that you noticed. I didn't catch it, but I'm glad you did.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everyone will start writing about it now that I've <laughs> pulled the cover back. Um, Jason Blissett, you know, we you first pointed this out on on Tuesday. We got some further clarity. Uh, he is now working at defensive end. Um, I think he's down what 12 12 pounds, and I'm kind of for this move. I think a lot of people are wondering why uh, they moved him. And I think it's really the emergence of Jalar Hawley and uh Gerard Harrison Hunt. I mean, they they already ha- they have a bunch of defensive tackles, so they must think that Blissett could be a guy who, I don't know, sets the edge. Um and then there might be some long term projecting here. What happens if uh well, I mean, I, I would assume probably Greg Russo is gonna go pro after this season yeah. and then who knows? Jalen Phillips could be like, all right, guys, you yeah, know, I got my 10 can. sacks. I'm out, I'm out of here. So I, I think there's, it's part of that. And
1: I don't know. I'm for the move. No, I, I think so, too. You know, and I'll say this body type wise, he looks like a defensive end to me, like he doesn't look out a place. Do you agree with that? No. And you pointed this out. Let's not forget in high school,
0: he like ran for like 600 yards. I mean, it was in New York, but he also played running back. So he's a he's a very athletic guy. It's not like they took some you know, 280 pound, zero tech, and they're like, "Hey, he played defensive end. Like, you know, he's done this in the past. He did it in high school.
1: Put on his high school tape, and all he does is rush off the edge." Right. So, I'm for the move, just like you are. And yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe he can carve out a role even this year as like that edge-setting uh defensive end because Scott patchen has gone. Scott Patrin's gone. Um. You know, I think Greg could do it because of his length. But, you know, why not develop a, a guy behind Greg Rousseau um, and Jason Blissett? Let's touch on the other guys. Did you notice much of Jalar Hawley and Jared Harrison Hunt during this first week? Did they pop to you at all while you were out there? Um, the thing that pops to me about Hawley is...
0: He looks noticeably slimmer, but like in yeah. a good way. I mean, he was kind of not pudgy, but um, no, when he was reshaped. a recruit, he's reshaped and he looks like a dude. And the fact that he's getting run with the ones, um, I, I mean, when 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 they signed Hunt, Her- Hunt, uh, Blissett, and and Holly, I thought Holly was the number three in that group. Me too. Um, and he might actually be the number one, which is surprising. So again maybe the theme of this podcast reason to be optimistic about Jalar Hawley
1: yeah and i think with him you know i asked Manny Diaz about him on friday just why he's what he's done to to make this jump because he's working with the first team defense from what we saw and you know he he diaz basically said he's an effort guy high motor guy and he does bring some athleticism to the table with his you know, ability to run, change direction, be agile. Um, and, you know, honestly, I think Jalar Hawley has a similar skill set to Nesta Silvera. So I would kind of uh, group them in as the same type of defensive tackle. And And look, I think if jalar can establish himself as a hard-working grind grinded out defensive tackle with his work ethic and some of that rubs off on nesta i think that's a good thing i'm not calling nesta lazy but i think there is some untapped potential there with nesta that that you know he still has to reach um and so yeah i, I agree like he does look noticeably slimmer but He also does look very fast out there. Fluid going through the drills. And, you know, I I think I've established myself as a Mark Pope truther. I want to also be all in on Jared Harrison Hunt. I... Yeah, dude. He moves so well for how big his frame is. You know, the guy I keep comparing him to, I think, is RJ McIntosh. I think there is a ton of similarities there. Both played basketball. Right. So... And Manny unsolicited because I asked about Jalar unsolicited Manny also praised uh Jared Harrison Hunt for you know showing his power this spring. He said he's gotten a lot stronger since he arrived. They already knew he was a good athlete, fluid athlete, but now he he's pushing guards back and he and Manny was happy to see that. so those two guys. They could definitely help elevate the defensive tackle position. You know, Miami returns John Ford and Nesta Silvera. And, you know, I think you feel... Jordan Miller. Jordan Miller's flashed. Jordan Miller. And I think you feel good about those three. But I think ideally, if you got guys like Jalar and Jared pushing uh, those three from the bottom of the depth chart or maybe even surpassing them, you know... And look, I think Miami's edge rushing talent is only going to make things easier for the defensive tackles from a pass rushing perspective. So maybe that's why, you know, putting a guy in like Jalar Hawley next to Nesta Silvera on the first team defensive line, you get some more athleticism out there at defensive tackle, uh, more more guys who can win those one on one matchups. It's intriguing to think about moving forward. Let's talk some recruiting before we kind of wrap
0: up this show. Me and you both spent um, this past Sunday up in Orlando at the Under Armour All-America Camp Series stop um, in in Central Florida. No Miami commits were at the camp. I think it's been the first time in uh, like two years that Miami hasn't had had anyone there, Uh, but there was a ton of talent. Um, My initial takeaway, and we discussed this uh, on on the car ride home uh, via phone call, Miami's got some catching up to do with a, with a
1: lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're coming. You got to remember they're coming off a six and seven season. Um, So that makes recruiting tough in terms of, you know, momentum and perception, because honestly in recruiting perception is reality. So Miami is being perceived as a six and seven team that looked awful in the independence bowl. And, you know, those bowl games matter because it's the only game on at that time. And the rest of the, the country is football starved at that point And they are watching your game. So a lot of the country saw Miami look terrible against Louisiana Tech. So Miami's kind of fighting that uphill battle. Um, I'll say this too. Like, you know, Orlando, uh, you know, there's not going to be a ton of Miami, you know, legitimate Miami targets at that camp compared to like a camp in Miami, of course. And especially now with Florida, definitely the top program in the state right now. They, they got things rolling. Uh, I think it's, it's fair to say Florida has positioned themselves in, in a really good spot this cycle. Fair to say?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. They played in a, a what is it, New York, New York Six Bowl. And yeah, I mean, Miami, we kind of knew this. I just think being up in Orlando kind of reaffirmed it. Um, with that being said, you know, there was still some some elite recruits that, that did mention Miami. Yeah. Uh, J.C. Latham, the five-star tackle out of uh, IMG Academy. You know, he is a Wisconsin native, uh, going to take an official visit to LSU, going to take an official visit to Ohio State. Like, those two teams probably lead. But unsolicited, he, he brought up Miami and, and and Garen Justice on his own. And I think that's um, that that's notable. Like, I, I think we've already seen Garen land a commitment from uh, Michael McLaughlin. And, and he got Ryan, Ryan Rodriguez, the, the, the three-star center out of Miami Columbus. He got both those guys on campus this week. So I think he's going to be uh, a good recruiter. Um,
1: I, I guess any, anything
0: notable you picked up while we were standing out in the sun for a couple hours?
1: Well, I mean, we both liked the the safety from t- the Tallahassee area, Terry it's and Arnold. Uh, so, God. yeah, I mean, he's one of these safeties that is probably twitchy enough to play corner if he really wanted to. But his range at safety and his, you know, on tape, his striking ability really shows out. So leave him at safety. He can be a dynamic safety, similar in a dynamic sense to avante williams who, who miami signed in this 2020 class i think terry a little longer um but yeah he's a guy and you talk to him right like miami's kind of in the mix there they're they're gonna get a shot with Tarrian. is that fair to say yeah no I, i'm actually writing
0: about uh I, I already transcribed the audio so there will be a story up on miami.247sports.com uh on saturday just kind of him talking about uh, Ed Reed, him talking about uh, Avante Williams. So I I think Miami's in it. There's a chance he's going to visit. With that being said, um, you know, the big dogs are after him, like Alabama, LSU. So uh, one other thing we should point out is is Christian Leary, the wide receiver out of Orlando Edgewater. You know, he's the kid that went 10-5 in the 100-meter dash. He's already turned into... Uh, a fan a fan want I think he sits probably at the top of Miami's wish list uh, when it comes to the fans just because he's a dynamic slot guy that can do everything Um, he put out a top 12 uh, two weeks ago that didn't include the hurricanes Uh, I I actually talked with him uh, and he said that Miami Miami is indeed an still involved. Like he's been on the phone with Manny Diaz uh, and he's planning to visit soon. So I think that's a a positive development with probably the fastest player in the state.
1: Yeah. And again, and the issue there was what he thought Miami wanted him at running back. He doesn't want to hear that. Is that fair to say? I I guess. I I don't know. (laughs) But anyways, my message to Christian, I mean, I would recruit the guy wherever he wants to be recruited but again, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, and I think especially with this type of offense, uh, positionless or hybrid type players are going to be valued more in football moving forward. And Christian Absolutely. is one of these hybrid players that, you know, has a thicker build. He could line up at running back and get you know five or six carries a game at running back. And he also has the athleticism and speed to be out in space in the slot and be dangerous in in that regard, too. So if I'm Christian, I would embrace the fact that a team likes me at multiple positions and I would want to play in the type of offense that Rhett Lashley is installing uh, at Miami. Now, with that being said, like other teams are going to give him the same pitch and all that. Like he's a big time dude. So. He'll have plenty of options, but it is good that Miami got back in the mix on that one. All right. Closing things up, David, um,
0: you're going on a cruise. Uh, Miami's yeah. on spring break, so uh, you're not going to be on the show uh, next week. We're going to we're, we were gonna take a break. I was going to get Barton Simmons on uh, to talk about some, some Miami commit kids. I don't think that's going to happen, so I'm going to have to get creative for our next podcast, uh, but I'm hoping to leave. Have something next week um, while you are uh, on the cruise ship.
1: Yeah, man, I'm in a vacation state of mind right now. Um, hopefully, I don't get corona. I'm honestly not that worried, but maybe I, I should know. be. I don't know. But Broward, anyways, Broward, Broward County just got two cases this morning. So, dude, don't take this vacation away from me. All right, I've been looking forward to it for like three months. Been counting the days. I'm getting on that boat. Okay. Well, make sure you guys
0: stay locked to the site. Um, You know, rate the podcast. I don't think we've ever said that. You want to toss some stars on there or tell us how terrible we are? Be honest. Do that. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Later.